A very good morning on behalf of Teach 613. We welcome you to Take 10 Fitamur, Chagiga Daf Yud, Chagiga 10a, pagination 19, starting from the Mishnah, about eight lines from the top. We're familiar that Torah is codified under the two terms, Torah Shabichsav, the written law, and Torah Shabal Peh, the oral law. Now, in a certain way, that's misleading to be so technical and call one the written and one the oral, because it's really just one Torah. Um, we understand, for example, that if you hand someone a recipe book, there's a Torah Shabichsav, or a Bichsav, there's something written, and there's a Balpeh, there's something that's oral. If it says, add a dash of pepper... So, you have to know orally from someone who taught you, from a mentor, what a dash is. If you would open the dictionary, for example, and it says dash means to run, so I don't know how exactly you would add a dash of pepper into the soup. It's understood that everything comes with a form of teaching besides what is written. What's accomplished with what's written is that it is codified. But actual practice, observance, implementation certainly comes with a certain mind frame, a certain culture, a certain social norm, what's expected under the circumstances. And therefore, it's almost like over-technical to start describing Torah Shabich Sav, what's the written law, and then what's the Torah Shabal Peh, what's the oral. It's all one Torah. It's just that here are the notes, and in addition to the notes, you have to have seen how Torah was observed. It says, for example, to build a sukkah, to live you should live in a sukkah during sukkahs, any child who saw his father build a sukkah and lived in a sukkah for the seven days knows what a sukkah is. And anybody who reads the written law and thinks that that's it would not have a clue what it means to be in a sukkah. Rav Shamsha Rafael Hirsch, in his Hakdama, his introduction to Chumash, says that the Torah Shabbat Sav is like very sophisticated notes on the lecture. And there are little nuances, all kinds of nuances, that if you know what to look for, they remind you of how the lecture was presented. Just like we, for example, would take notes of a lecture, and at an important point, we would underline it, or highlight it, or make a little star to add attention to it. We would put it in quotes. There are different little nuances, liberties that you're allowed to take in whatever structure it is to show that you're emphasizing or de-emphasizing something. And that's how Torah Shabbat Sav works. Sometimes there's a Vav extra, sometimes there's a Yud extra. There's a certain amount of flexibility in presentation so that it effectively works seamlessly if you have all the information and the wisdom, Torah Shabbat Sav, Torah works seamlessly. It's one system. Our Mishnah wishes to contrast different types of mitzvahs 
in which the Torah Shebech Sav is very limited and basically, for the most part, it's relying on the oral tradition that this is indeed the rule in such a case. You'll remember, for example, in Parshas Chayesara, where Eliezer goes to find a wife for Yitzchak, so the Torah is very, very wordy on all the details of Eliezer and how he looks for the wife and then how he relates to Rivka's family and tells them how it was that he looked for a wife for Rivka, for a wife for Yitzchak. So the Mepharshim point out, Hashem really loves the way Eliezer talks the way he talks with bitachon, with trust in Hashem, that all will work out, etc. Because there are certain sections, like our Mishnah is mentioning, that there's really very, very little in the Torah Shabbat Sav telling you what is, in effect, very sophisticated halachas of Torah Shabbat Peh, of practicable Jewish observance. So we have, in some places... The Torah Shabbat Sav is wordy. In other places, it's sparse. Says the Mishnah. Heter nedarim porchin ba'avir ve'ein lohem amasha yismochu. The fact that a person can do a Torah's nedarim and undo a vow that he has made is very sparse in the Torah. It's barely there. In the words of the Mishnah, it's actually like Kind of not there, although we'll see in the Gemara that there is Yeshlo Amas Sheyismochu. There are inferences in the Psukim to tell you that such a thing exists. But the Mishnah is presenting that it's very weak. It's not explained in Torah Shabbat What exactly is Heter Nidorim, annulment of vows? So if a person makes a vow that is not to somebody else. It's not a commitment. It's not that he said, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. I swear to such a thing. He's making an oath that is between him and heaven. He's making an oath that he won't eat meat because he feels that's more spiritual. So then, a, at a later date, he encounters a situation where he realizes that his vow was not such a smart thing. So there's something called Hataras Nidorim to undo the vow between you and heaven because you realize that you made a mistake. Let's give an example. A young lady learns that during the nine days, the days preceding Tishabav, we do not eat meat because we don't want to be too joyous during the time that we're commemorating the loss of the Beis HaMikdash. And because the karbonos, the sacrifices in the Beis HaMikdash, were terminated at this time of year with Tisha B'av. And therefore, we don't eat meat during this time in commemoration. So this young lady is very impressed that the Jewish people should carry on such a tradition for so many hundreds of years. And she decides that it's such a great idea that not only during the nine days she's not going to eat meat to commemorate Tisha B'av, but she's not going to eat meat the entire year. 
an act of saintliness until she gets engaged and she realizes that she's going to have to eat meat in her mother-in-law's house. And if she doesn't, it's going to cause a lot of hard feelings, ill will, inconvenience, and she realizes that for Shalom Bayis, she needs to somehow sidestep this vow that she made. So she could, in fact, go to an authority who's going to hear the case, and if the case matches the rules of Hataras Nidorim, then the authority will be able to annul the vow because she made a mistake in creating the vow and she realizes now a Pesach, an opening, that she made a mistake and she wants to get out and he'll be able to annul the vow if it meets these rules. But this is not mentioned clearly in the Torah. It's alluded to as we'll see in a moment. Likewise, the Mishnah tells us, Hilchas Shabbos, the laws of Shabbos, onto the next line, Kaharodim HaTeluyim Besaira. They're like mountains that are hanging on a here, on a thread. Laws of Shabbos are tremendous, but there's not a whole lot in the Torah about it. Shehemikra Muat, there's very little written, and there are a lot of halachas. The Gemara is going to challenge this and say that on the contrary, Shabbos is mentioned quite a bit. And the Gemara is going to say it's referring to a specific case of meleches machsheves, of constructive activity, and specifically that if a person does things that are not constructive, they are not going to be biblically violating the Torah. It's only rabbinically that we're not allowed to do the same types of activities in a destructive manner. So that the example given in the Gemara is if a person digs a hole, which essentially appears to be a storage area, a basement, but he did not do it for the storage area component, he didn't do it for the basement. He did it because he needed dirt. And he actually messed up his lawn because now it's got this big, humongous pothole, if potholes can be so big. And he wanted the dirt. So that was a destructive method of having a storage area, perhaps. It depends on his intent. And because his intent is not constructive, it's not going to be a biblical violation. Let's just do one more line here. What exactly would be the source for Hatoras Nidorim? So the Gemara offers a bunch of suggestions, and towards the middle of the page, at the end of a line, Shmuel teaches us, Lo Yachel Devaro. The person himself shall not violate his word. And we infer, who ain't no mochel? He's not allowed to violate his word. He's not allowed to make his sacred vow profaned. Chulin. But the inference is, he's not allowed to do it, but someone else would be able to do it for him. And if he presents a Pesach, a reason, for his error, 
then there is such a concept called Hatoras Nidorim. Yeshikoach, thank you for joining.